Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. The digital revolution is in full swing. We see that in every facet of our lives and uh, both our personal lives and our professional lives. And there used to be some space in between them. I'm not sure there is anymore, but that's okay. That's sort of life here in the uh, in the fast lane as we move forward. And but first, just a quick word from our sponsor, BMC. Tell me, is your business operating on its fullest potential? Businesses on their A game are. BMC calls them autonomous digital enterprises. When technology and people can work together as one, business can achieve more and succeed more. Ready to get your business on its A game? Visit bmc.com slash A game. So it's always fun to talk with one of our digital all-stars, Pat Fitzgerald, who is a specialist on talent and recruiting. Uh, Pat is the co-founder and managing director at CareerAv, a recruiting firm. Pat, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Bob. It's great to be back. I really appreciate the time with you as always. I appreciate it. No, uh, Pat, you know, we've known each other quite some time here. It's been fun and you've got your own uh, agency now, CareerAv. So you're out on the front lines working with all sorts of people, both from the corporate side who are saying, Pat, I need help with these sorts of people. And you're talking to folks out who are sort of, I guess in this environment, sort of sifting through the opportunities and offers. So you get the front row seat of what's going on. And I think for what you wanted to talk about today, you've got some interesting perspectives on how the market dynamics right now are really um, changing and roiling and uh, you know upsetting some sort of standard ways of looking at stuff. So Pat, I'll turn it over to you, but I really like you know, this uh, dichotomy that you're going to dig into a little bit here today. This should be fun. Thanks, Bob. Much appreciated. Uh, and, and to anyone that decides to listen to this, um, my, my thoughts are not to be controversial or in any way negative. It's the evolution. The topic today is the evolution of talent acquisition. And that evolution has been going on it is, it, for any organization. It goes on decades. So this has been ongoing for many, many years. Um, and so to get into the detail of the evolution of talent acquisition, I'd like to kind of highlight it by saying over the last several years, the big focus under the executives under HR, chief people officers, chief HR officers, has certainly evolved. And because of that evolution from, I don't know where, but to the single focus on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is it creates a, 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 an unfortunate opportunity for the talent leadership to evolve from truly talent act, attraction talent to actually recruiting ops leaders. Uh, I've been, you and I both, Bob, have been blessed over the years to work for many very impressive and senior executives, work with them and work for them. I've always had a focus and as is all the executives I've ever worked with have always had a focus on diversity. There's always been an aspect and a value for those senior executives that I've worked with that recognized early on, well before it was as, as, as in focus as it is today, that in order to, to grow your business, you needed to identify the three key priorities to hiring. Mm -hmm. First one being, it, you gotta have the person that actually can do the job. Second one, and an equal priority was, and at least all the experiences that I've worked with, was always diversity, equity, and inclusion. Everyone that I've ever worked with has always believed that diversity of experience, diversity of ethnicity, diversity of 
background was a huge asset to be able to continue to homogenize the growth and scale. The last one being culture mm-hmm. and culture and the culture fit for those potential executives so that they would fit into an organization immediately for, for both growth and scale and, and retention. But, and I, I don't mean to sound like diversity isn't a huge priority. It absolutely is. And it's always been, and we've been fortunate to work with players that have always prioritized that. But today, what's happened is under the HR leadership is the talent acquisition organizations have evolved from truly talent attraction leaders to recruiting ops players. Mm -hmm. Reporting is essential. The analogy I'd like to make is you've got a brilliant sales leader focused on customers, customer success, big deal strategy, how to develop account executives, how to attract them, you know, compensations that are accelerators. The, if you take that person out and put in their sales ops person, that's the same analogy as what's happened to recruiting to talent acquisition leadership over the last several years. Yeah, it, Pat, it sounded a little bit like what you're saying here is <clears throat> in pursuit of a very worthy goal. Absolutely. Substituted process management for, you know, functional expertise and marketplace expertise. It's exactly right, Bob. And and, and like the sales model, a recruiting organization is a little bit more like a sales organization than it is really a process management organization. And so the model should be a strong, inspirational talent leader that has a strong recruiting ops person that can give the data and the details that are essential for executives and the HR leadership to be able to certainly understand the success of the hiring, but also retention, scale, growth, individualized training programs. We, we had Pam Seplo on a couple, of, yeah. a couple of months ago, and Pam was that perfect synergy between talent and growth. We brought them in, we assessed them, we, we, we evaluated them, and, and we brought them in in the right culture fit and for scale, and then Pam's team would take them to a whole new level through the internal development programs. Well, HR, again, being so singularly focused nowadays, has forgotten that. Now, my worry, Bob, is that in the what appears to be certainly a, a, um, a weakening economy, those openings that we have, those hundreds and thousands of openings that we have, under the passive recruiting model run by a, a recruiting ops person versus an active recruiting model run by a talent attraction leader, we're gonna, we're gonna see a lot of those openings get filled by people that aren't the right culture fit. Yeah. And that's gonna only create a greater challenge for that company where retention and frankly scale is going to be negatively impacted by that. Uh, Mark and I, my partner and I, have actually been fortunate enough to be able to consult with a couple of mid-tier companies, post-IPO companies over the last couple of years. And they've recognized even early on, and I think a lot of companies are recognizing even more so with the economy, they recognized early on that they had a passive recruiting model, Bob. Mm -hmm. And they knew that that wasn't going to scale, especially because they had brought in a new leader that was demanding not only filling the jobs, but filling with the right people, right? 
So we've been able to go in and consult, do a little bit of a forensic analysis of, you know, how they got there. And we found inevitably in every one of those cases, the talent organization was led by a recruiting ops person, not by a talent attraction leader. And somebody who says, but I filled the spots. Right. right. So, end of story that, that that's the goal. Pat, it's fascinating to see. And, you know, the point you're making here about culture and the mindset of an organization, especially you talked about these, you know, like uh, right after IPO, high growth sort of companies, they're building to scale. What is the culture that they put together for that? And today, Pat, it seems to me that as, as important as culture has always been in organizations and that the leaders have to set that culture and really make sure it isn't just a poster in the lunchroom. Um, things are changing so quickly on the outside, right? Companies have to be able to have that internal capability to adapt to that change, embrace the change and use it as a competitive advantage. And then I think, Pat, at the same time, <clears throat> If you look at it from the job seekers point of view, there's never been a better time, right? You can sift right. through offers, pick this or that. So without the culture being set from the top, reinforced every way through, right. uh, companies are going to have a tough time. And if folks around an organization see like, why are they, why are we hiring these people? They fill a spot, but they don't, they don't get the culture that we're building here. They don't, they're not playing at the level that we're aspiring to. That's, right, right. That, that's going to cause a lot of problems for companies. Well, we've seen it. You and I have both been at companies that haven't prioritized it or developed the right culture. And that culture is, again, always first and foremost, I've seen prioritized in diversity. Because I think that was a big asset for the executives I and you have both worked for. Um, but, but let me step back. It, it, you can't necessarily take the first priority of being able to do the job when you're really looking at early talent. Early talent is the, is the future of the company. Yeah. It, it is the future of how to develop the, the diversity and inclusion uh, mantra within the company. But also what I think was, is lacking is, is that that is the only priority for early talent. The, 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 the first priority should be culture fit. And then the second priority of diversity and inclusion absolutely melds in perfectly. They're equal in, you know, in, in, in results. But if you don't define the culture fit of the personality and the soft skills of the early talent, you're going to end up with conflicts within a year. And those conflicts are going to be devastating yeah. to, the, to the internal teams within the companies. Yeah. And... Uh... Pat, I think it's, uh, you know, you, you've, you've outlined this, you know, very powerfully. And uh, again, the pursuit of the appropriate goals, but perhaps being done in ways that make it more difficult to get to that goal than it needs to be, right? Or we're, we're losing sight of what is the big thing. And I, I just have to mention, Pat, uh, I saw this in a, a Google Cloud blog post uh, several weeks ago. They had... Uh, I don't know if Google Cloud commissioned it or they just found some research that said among 500 business executives, they ranked, uh, what's your most pressing issue? They put sustainability as number one and they had growth of the company at number four. That's crazy. <clears throat> and I think, Pat, I, I called <clears throat> the little piece I wrote about that, I called it sustainability madness. Yeah. It's it's uh, just not keeping our priorities straight. So I really love the way you've, 
you know, pointed out some of these different things here, right? It isn't a matter of not being behind, again, this very noble goal. It's like, how do you best get there and keep the company going in the direction that it needs to go, which is upward in today's, today's economy? And you know, Bob, as well as I do, all of us want to create a sustainable world. We all have to do our part. We all have to be responsible for our own lives and our own actions. And that's very important to me and certainly the clients that I've worked with. But creating a situation where sustainability is the first priority and revenue and growth and shareholder you know, value I, I'm curious how that will play out over the next you know, year or so with the shareholders. Um, again, all important, and, I, and you've said it nicely, you know, none of these are, are, are less important than the other, but you've got to use them all together. Yeah. And you've got to weigh them properly to make sure that you know, if you've got two candidates, and I don't mean this to sound as bad as it is, but if you've got two candidates and, and one is diversity and the other isn't, but the other has direct impact with huge success, you know, on this line of business, you know, experience, and the other one doesn't, then find a new role for that diversity talent, yeah. because that diversity talent's important for you, but don't throw them <clears> into <throat> the wolves and throw them into the deep end. So ultimately they fail. And then the team becomes devastated. The impact for failure at the leadership level, which we've seen, you know, it, it is it, it, the ripple effect down below into the into the teams below it is long lasting. And that's a huge dilemma. Yeah. Well, Pat, I know you don't toss words around casually. So when you refer to that, that sort of uh, mismatch and the repercussions of it as devastating, right? I mean, that that can knock a company's efforts back two or three or four or five years, right? They get a reputation like, oh, they say this, but they do that, you know, right. avoid them. But Pat, I think it's also uh, telling what you've talked about before, right? That whatever a company's diversity strategy and action plan is, you've always emphasized that a big part of that has to be early in the career. Get these, you know, fantastic young people, help them learn and figure out what it is they want to do, and then align that with what the opportunities are, rather than taking somebody as you've described who said really, really good at certain things, but the job is something else and the culture is right. going to, is going to clash there. So uh, a multi-phased approach, but I've always loved that thing about, you know, the diversity initiatives has to start early, right? Um, and, maybe and, high school, and, maybe college. Right. And, and <clears throat> the leadership, the HR leadership gets the opportunity to set a quota when it comes to university and graduate and, and early talent hiring to have diversity a certain percentage. And, and, and that diversity has to evolve, right? Not just ethnicity, but experience and, you know, and background. All of those are really essential to really balance off of diversity. But as you get up into the leadership roles where you're replacing a, a, an existing executive or you're building in a management team, a middle management team that you know is gonna scale the background of success in that specific area, the diversity becomes a, an essential part of it but it isn't the only priority. It's that background. Can they do the job? Can they scale? Do they fit the culture? And you and I have talked about this many times, Bob, but I still believe that culture is as equal or an impact on the company as diversity and everything else. And I think if you eliminate that or don't focus in on it or just manage to the numbers, you've lost that opportunity to really develop 
a high, a high caliber, high performing leadership team. Yeah, Pat, you know, it's, uh, I, I hope as you, uh, you know, at Career Ave, you and Mark, as you're talking to companies, you use that analogy about it's if you take, you know, your head of global sales, the chief revenue officer, and say, uh, we're going to put a revenue ops person in there, people would say, well, that's crazy. And you'd say, well, that's what you're doing over here in uh, in talent recruitment. Right. Well, but that's different, you know. Right. Revenue is important, but talent is what not important. So uh, that that's that's a that's a wake up call there, Pat. You know, equating it to what happens on the revenue side, and then in some ways, I don't mean forcing them, but you are uh, strongly encouraging people who are thinking that way to reassess what it is they're they're thinking about. Because if if you choose to say, well, we don't have to handle talent recruitment as strategically and as critically as we handle revenue then okay maybe they've got some bigger right. questions to deal with there there are there are, and, and in today's world there are so many wonderful tools out there for recruiting and for hr to really be able to manage you know their 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 results their data unfortunately what i'm hearing from most of my clients is is they're not willing to spend the extra money to actually get those reports configured when they install the new system uh -huh. versus actually having to create it after the fact but, but again, it creates that situation where then in order for that recruiting organization, that talent organization to be successful, they need a recruiting ops person to help manage and build those reports, spend yeah. the money up front, define the reports the way you really want them and get that out of the way, you know, just like Salesforce did for sales. Yeah. And we, you know, we've seen that. There are plenty of good technology companies out there that have talent recruiting tools that they have, and you can reconfigure them to define the way you want. And then you're allowed to be able to bring in a strong talent attraction leader, someone with, with vision that understands the assessment tools, that understands the soft skills, that prioritizes the culture and the scalability and the, and the evolution, you know, and, the, and ultimately the retention you know, of the middle management and leaders of the company. And that company will be imminently more successful than the others. Well, Pat, I know you've certainly touched on this in our conversation, but let's just for a second, if we do a pretend uh, consultation here. So I'm the CEO of a company and I outline a plan to you that has me putting uh, a process management person in charge of talent recruiting. And I'd say, well, that's the Pat, we've worked hard on this. I think I got the right person. This person's really good at recruiting ops, understands the processes, you know, is uncompromising on, you know, uh, sticking with the process. What do you think? Well, and it's a natural, it's a natural evolution of where recruiting became part of a shared service model. Ah, sure. Uh -huh. All process, right? We've seen that. We've all seen that over the last several years. So that thinking makes sense because, that executive, that CEO, and their chief people officer are going to want reports. That's an important part, just like they want sales reports. They want reports. But what they don't recognize is, is that, that that creates a very passive recruiting model. That passive recruiting model in today's world around social recruiting is posting and praying. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a what hope is not a, uh, is not a strategy, right? right? Exactly, and and it does a couple of things. It puts a bigger burden on the hiring manager because that rec that that process recruiter 
isn't under, doesn't understand or isn't prioritizing their own individual abilities to assess the talent that gets submitted to the hiring manager. So in this new world, everyone that applies gets submitted to the hiring manager. And now the hiring manager's time is gobbled up with reading resumes and recognizing that you know they, they don't have time to do sales. Yeah. Versus the recruiter that actually understands and is embedded in that client's management team understands the personality of their leadership team, the scalability of the demand of this particular line of business. And it could be products, it could be engineering. It doesn't have to be sales, but the reality is embedding the recruiter in that actual line of business gives that recruiter the ability to understand the management style. Yeah. The demand, how fast, how slow, what, you know, how, how quickly they have to hit the ground and where they need to be in a year or, or more. And, and, and so because of it, you really have reports. They, and those reports at the end of the month show that those jobs got filled, but they didn't get filled with the right people. Pat, I have to say, you know, I, I think you, uh, you really nailed it a, a minute or two ago when you said, you know, in certain sorts of companies, you have CEOs or the chief people officer, and what they want is reports, right? So... <laughs> Uh, they're sort of putting the wrong thing out in out in front there. No, you want fantastic people, but uh, right, right. That's the mindset some folks have, and I think unfortunately, well, I just think they've bought into it, Bob. I yeah. just think that the evolution of social recruiting has had such an impact on the on the marketplace, and and again, the fact that recruiting has moved more to a shared service model, which is really just process management and reporting. That is what I believe was the beginning of of the end yeah but yeah. but i we i will tell you we've had several clients that we've actually gone in and done this consulting and evaluated their current structure and and have been able to make some quick changes and, and longer term impact changes to be able to evolve them from passive recruiting to active recruiting and honestly it isn't very painful, but it's now those that we did a year ago are so well positioned uh -huh. in this marketplace, Bob, that they're hiring the best talent out there. Well, I love passive recruiting to active recruiting, right? If everybody says, you know, people are our most important asset and there's a war for talent going on, then I think active recruiting sounds a lot better than passive. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and it's the same thing as hiring a, a great account executive, hiring a great talent acquisition consultant recruiter or whatever you want to call them is the same importance as a great account executive as yeah. a great product executive as a great customer success executive right those talented people have a huge impact both culturally on the team and certainly on the growth of the company well pat you know some fascinating thoughts here on uh on an issue that is a you know, primary importance to every executive, every business, you know, every sort of company everywhere. I hope people will listen hard to what you've been saying here and uh, and lean into that, Pat. And if somebody wants to find out more about you and what you do, where would they go? So we have a website, careerav.com, C-A-R-E-E-R-A-V-E.com, or my email, pat at careerav.com. Well, Patrick, that sounds great. Um, I hope uh, I hope you and your family have been enjoying the summertime. There's a little bit left, and uh, we'll all enjoy that and look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks. Thank you, Bob. It's always good to be with you, and I really appreciate the time that you, you allow me. Thank you. 
Not at all, Pat. Your ideas are fantastic. Thanks so much. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope your summer's going great and we will see you again soon.